If you're looking for the next best thing to invest in, try investing in your long-term health with Forward. Forward is intelligent medicine with a personal touch. Their doctors are dedicated to catching top killers like cancer and heart disease early, which could save you tens of thousands of dollars in the long run. So invest in a doctor that's invested in you. Visit GoForward.com to learn more about how Forward can help you manage your long-term health risks for one flat monthly fee. That's GoForward.com. It's no secret that writing can be lonely work, but does it really have to be? Whether you're full-time, part-time, or just starting out, you'll get insights into the tricks, tips, and production habits of writers from every level of the biz. From best-selling authors to those launching their first novels, you're sure to be in the company of friends as we encourage great writers to divulge and share their secrets. This is the Great Writer Share Podcast with your host, best-selling author, Daniel Wilcox. Hello and welcome to the Great Writer Share podcast with me, Daniel Wilcox, where every week I invite a great writer onto the show and spend a good chunk of my day nattering about what makes them so great, all with the end goal of giving you practical advice, tips and strategies that you can use to skyrocket your career. Uh, welcome, welcome to the show. It is the 19th of September today. Uh, I'm on a bit of a high. I finished a book and it is wonderfully sunny considering it is mid-September and usually for England that kind of means that we're already on the downhill slope and things are starting to get colder in the morning. But like I say, I'm on a high. I've, I've finished a book. I am getting everything ready to put a novella that I've been working on for the past few months up to pre-order. And uh, it's it's exciting times because it is Halloween soon. And as many of you will kind of guess, for a horror writer or a, an author of dark fiction, Halloween is kind of is, is our holiday. It's our time of the year. So uh, I've put together something quite special that I'm going to I'm putting out to my beta reading team at the minute that I can't wait to get a feedback on and yeah, we'll have something new to shout about in the next couple of weeks. But you're not here for me. You're here to listen to John Freeman, who is today's guest. Uh, John Freeman is a personal friend I've known for a number of years. He's someone that's doing very well in the film industry at the minute. He's worked on sort of big blockbuster movies as a runner, as a production assistant. He's doing his own writing. He's created some films for himself, which are currently uh, going into festivals, and he's got some stuff coming up. So um, I thought we'd take a different tact this week, considering we've had a lot of novelists, a lot of short story writers. So it'd be good to get someone from a bit of a different medium, which also demonstrates that there's a universality between the creation of story and what people are trying to produce when just it doesn't matter what medium you're trying to tell stories through there's a general principle behind it and that's something that we kind of tap into um we also break into or we also uh, discuss things about how he broke into the film industry there's a lot of practical advice that john gives in how he got his first steps into working on film sets and how that kind of snowboarded into everything else that he's been working on uh he talks about practical tips on how to stand out one of the very, very key things that uh, we find out is while working on films, you need to give a good impression, otherwise you're never going to get invited back. So what are practical tips to make sure that that happens to you? And also taking the leap from the production side of things to writing. Um, John started out working as a runner and working as a production assistant on a few projects and has sort of in the last couple of years swerved a bit more into the writing. And I think it's exciting that we get to dig a little bit deeper into how that looks and how he's approaching that and, and what kind of things he's working on. But before we get to that, uh, I'm going to do a little shout out, as usual, to the patron, Patreon. So over at patreon.com forward slash great writers share. Um, you can support the show for as little as $1 a month, which is less than a cup of coffee a month. And 
there's a crap load of bonuses over <laughs> on, on the Patreon feed. So um, you get access to episodes early. You can get to ask any of our guests questions. Um, we've got our monthly giveaway, which I'll get to in a second. But speaking of patron and wonderful people joining, coming on board, we do have two new patrons this week. So I'm going to give a big shout out to P.T. Hilton and not butcher your name. Uh, hey, PT, how's it going? Um, and Michael Anderley has been kind enough to jump in and also become a patron. So we've got Michael uh, taking advantage of all the rewards, everything there is to offer. Um, hi, Michael, if you're listening. Uh, one of our previous guests for people who might be new to the show, I definitely recommend checking out his interview, uh, episode two. There's a lot of good advice in there as well about uh, dominating indie fiction uh, with your own publishing company. It's quite, uh, quite a lot going there. But um, before we get further... I'll have a little moment where I freeze. Uh, and there is another moment halfway through the interview, which I'll, I'll let you find yourself, in which I do have a little bit of a, a, a mind melt. But there is a reason why, and you'll find out. Um, but we'll give a quick mention to the monthly giveaway. So if you're a patron, it doesn't matter what level of patronage you support the show at, uh, you are entered automatically into a competition to win a copy of Monica Lionel's Write Better Faster, How to Triple Your Writing Speed and Write More Every Day which, as I mentioned previously, is a book that I've read and there's some fantastic practical advice in there on how you can produce more and get those words on the page at a much more rapid uh, rapid pace. One more thing before we get into the interview, I do want to just do a little mention to um, anyone who is listening to the show, if you would be so kind, if you've got a spare minute or so and you're enjoying what, what we're producing and everything else that there is to offer, do go over to iTunes and leave us a review over there because in leaving a review and sort of just showing uh, an appreciation for the show, it helps boost us in the ranks. It helps more people access the show and just heightens the visibility of everything else. So it means that I can then produce more and do more with this with this work, which will benefit everyone. So um, definitely worth jumping over to iTunes. It takes two seconds to do. Not fussed what star rating, just to be honest. I'm not going to push people to do five stars because I'm all about transparency. Um, but it will definitely be massively beneficial and I'd thank you forever. But right now, I'm not going to hold back anymore. We're going to jump straight into this very, very exciting and slightly different interview with the wonderful Mr. John Freeman. John Freeman is a writer and filmmaker who has worked on a number of blockbuster film sets in a variety of roles. His credits include production assistant on the set of the adaptation of Adam Neville's The Ritual and the thriller Welcome to the Curiosity. He has worked as a runner and an extra on a number of sets and has taxied A-listers like Billy Boyd and worked in close proximity with Danny DeVito and Michael Keaton while on the set of Disney's Dumbo. John is now fiercely working on the editing and production of his brand new feature, Whiskey Tears, and has had his work heard by thousands of listeners on the Other Stories podcast in collaboration with myself. Hello. Hi, John. Welcome to the show. Hi, thank you for having me. That's all right. How are we doing? Yeah, good. Thank you. Can't complain. How are you? Yeah, I'm doing all right. It's, uh, I'm quite excited to have you on because I'll set the scene just for people so uh, we, we know where we're going with this interview. Me and John have been friends for a number of years. We met at university and uh, we we both sort of been writing on and off in different proximities of each other, worked on a couple of projects together, which has been quite exciting. Um, but I'm deeply interested a lot in your actual journey into film because you'll be the first filmmaker that I've actually had on the show. Oh, fantastic. Well, hopefully uh, don't disappoint. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope so, too. Um, <laughs> so I wanted to kind of kick off by uh, basically, can you give a bit of a background about sort of your journey into filmmaking when you began on that journey and how you've kind of gotten to the point that you're at at the minute? Yeah, sure. So um, film was one of those things where when I was younger, I always had an interest in filmmaking and wanting to make movies, but I never really saw it as a career. 
so when I was kind of going through my A-levels and everything, I still had, I did media, um, but I also did other things like English and stuff to try and keep, uh, not a backup option basically, because I didn't really think I would see it as a future job. But then the further I got into it, when I was at university, I did journalism, but I kept going back to, um, I was making documentaries at university and I kept going back to it. And I just always found myself with a camera. And um, I was realizing more and more that I wanted to go into filmmaking, but I didn't really know where to start. So at first I was kind of taking just odd, small jobs where I could at university, small bits of work experience. But um, I was really fortunate when I graduated that a close friend of mine's sister was working on an independent film called Fear of Water. And they called me up one day and were just like, we need a runner. Would you fancy coming on board for a day? And I was like, yeah, that'd be great. So I came on and one day turned into two days and then that just kept kind of multiplying. And eventually I was on there for a good couple of weeks and just managed to network and make a few contacts from there. And it all just, it happened very quickly. Um, from there, I just kind of ended up on different short films, kind of low budget, British, independent feature films. And for the first couple of years after uni, it was all just very manic, um, doing a lot of production assistant work. And it just kind of spiraled from there, really. That's fantastic. I mean, it's I mean, from my perspective as well, it's been a bit of a journey watching you because you've always been one of those people that you're always at stuff with friends and we're always sort of like, you know, hanging out. Um, but then again, you disappear for weeks at a time and just end up on sets. And it seems to be quite a manic schedule to get into that kind of industry. How do you manage basically your finances around producing films particularly in those early days when you know you'd be off for a couple of weeks at a time and then sort of with potentially nothing for a few months how do you how, how did you work through that so i think you it's one of those things where you've got to be there is i wouldn't say luck so much but i was i was very fortunate in terms of when i first started my family were very supportive and wanted to help me get going and the kind of deal was as long as you're working because a lot of your the first the first few jobs you do on a film set um more often than not it'll just be for experience you won't really be getting paid they might cover your expenses but that's about it so they my family were pretty much like if you're working even if you're not getting paid there's kind of a roof over your head you have food so hopefully that would kind of give you enough time to get the ball rolling so i used i kind of as soon as i finished uni i didn't really have much money um it was more just kind of working as hard as i could and being very grateful for the fact i didn't have to go out and pay rent um and then eventually once i started to get paid work it kind of that i think you've got to find a point a cutoff point where you don't need experience anymore you're experienced enough that you can start asking for pay because sadly in the film industry there are a lot of people that will expect you to work for free and you kind of what you don't realize is that you are capable of just turning around and going sorry i can't do that and if you do say no to a job because you can't afford to work for free that's perfectly acceptable and I think that was something I struggled with at first because it, it did feel like I had to keep doing these jobs for experience and kind of keep getting my name out there. Um, but then once, like, so once you kind of get the first paid job, it it kind of sticks. And after that, you just kind of keep getting more and more paid work and you start working with people who bring you on to paid jobs all the time instead of like the smaller projects where it is more for experience. Um, and then what I was, uh, I managed to get a job, another job which wasn't connected to the film industry, but was very flexible with its hours. And they were also very understanding of the fact that I did freelance in films. So if as long as I was booking off time in advance, I could book a nice amount of time off of work to go on to shoots for, like you said, for weeks at a time and then kind of come back and have that job. So it was it was fortunate. It's a lot of work and you kind of you have to really pick your battles with it. But you've got if you're really passionate about it, you you kind of find a way. If you just keep looking, you'll be able to get somewhere with it. Absolutely. I definitely believe that 100 percent. Going back to the beginning of your journey, so you said um, 
you're at uni you were sort of making documentaries you were sort of looking for work here and there that might be connected to the film industry how did you approach finding that initial work if you've got any sort of particular sites or sources that might be good for people to who are thinking of getting into the industry to potentially look at to find some stuff so at first it was more through university lecturers while I was at uni I was talking to different lecturers and seeing if they knew of any work coming up that was connected and because I was in journalism most of the work was for document work experience on documentaries or there was even a job I think to help film like the Superbike Championships so it wasn't connected to film specifically but it was still within that world um, but as I I think lately the more I've noticed Facebook is very useful there's lots of different groups on Facebook for people to use like there's London Film Group um, oh God, I can't remember names of them off the top of my head, but there's a lot of different <laughs> film groups on Facebook. And every day someone's posting a different job for different kinds of specialists. Production assistants are very high in demand on them. And you all, they're not just for jobs. It's really good to go to for advice as well. Um, you see people um, uploading their CVs all the time, just asking for feedback for different freelancers in the industry. And you'll find that people are just taking time out of their days to really sit and help just a complete stranger because I think they can relate because they've been in the same position. And so I, I found that Facebook, that was something that Facebook was very useful for. Um, and there are different websites as well. Like, so another way of helping bring money in and keeping me on set was to do extra work. And there were websites like Casting Collective. They were very useful. You um, you send them, they only ask for four or five photos and just a few details about you, um, kind of like your measurements and everything like that. And if you have any particular skills, any sports you're good at. And then the, they will just email you on a regular basis saying, hey, this job's coming up. Would you be interested? And it might not be what you want to do in the industry, but it, it keeps you on set. And with extra work, I found that it puts you on higher budget sets. So more often than not, you're working at a very high level. So you get to see all these big time directors and like camera teams, crews, actors, all working at kind of the top level. And you can learn so much just by being there and observing. So as well as getting paid, which is really handy, you can learn so much about it as well. Yeah, that's something that I've kind of admired about your your journey is the fact that it, it's never seemed to be a skyrocket traditional route, you know, just step step by step. It's very, very much a case of you have taken opportunities as they've come, even if they're not quite how they've wanted to present themselves to you and, and then just made the best out of those situations and kind of um, persevered. I mean, was that was that hard at points? Have you ever had points where you felt like throwing in the towel and just going in for a regular job? Um, a few times, yeah. The, it's because, like you said, it's not it's not very clear cut, and sometimes it's hard to tell if you are making progress. But then, what I found with that is, if you just kind of hold on and you keep trying, and even if, like I said, even if you're going off at a bit of a angle where you're not quite hoping to be, if you're working in a different department or something, you'd be amazed how it can loop back round. So patience is definitely key, and like, even when you are feeling low, if you just keep persevering, um, I it's. Yeah, it's very hard to sit here and say because I have been a few times where I've genuinely thought, is this going to be plausible as a career? And then I can't. Something more often than not, something will just happen if you keep going through. You end up talking to people, and then you kind of reignite your passion and you start talking to people who are in a similar um, kind of similar place to you, and then you start bouncing off of each other. And I find that kind of builds, and then you suddenly just find yourself in a completely different situation and you've ended up networking with people and someone will call you more often than not um i'll be kind of planning my next film and thinking okay how am i going to do this or that and then as i'm work, thinking oh, i haven't been on set for a while i'll just get a phone call and be like oh hey can you come and work on this for a few days and people do remember you so if you are working hard even if you're not the best at the job as long as you're willing to put the time in you're on time 
and they can see you're really dedicated. People will remember you and keep you going. So it's definitely a field where you need to be willing to collaborate and really work with others. Absolutely. I think so. One of the things that um, well, I mean, on this show itself, we've had a lot of novel writers. We had a lot of short story writers, um, people that are sort of doing a lot of traditional um, prose writing. And I think that it's it's a lesson that can be transferred to everyone in that there's always going to be moments in which you potentially want to let go and it, it doesn't seem worth it because all the efforts come up with no reward. But um, I think the thing that I've learned from a lot of the people that have been on here and just people from around my own journey as well, yourself obviously included, like you just said, is that if you do hold on that little bit longer and remember why you got involved in the first place, then that's the, the sticking factor that will keep you going. And that's the hardest but the most effective way to do it, in my opinion, is just to keep going past the moments when you want to quit and just hold on that little bit longer to actually just wait for that next opportunity to finally present itself to you. Absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, um, my first short film, as uh, we've spoken about in the past plenty of times, we I had um, a lot of audio trouble in the post-production <laughs> and it took a lot longer to get made than I would like to admit. But at the same time, it was really frustrating. And there were some times where I was like, oh, is this actually ever going to be complete? Because because the audio was so bad, we had to do a lot of ADR work, a lot of rebuilding. There was money just like having to pour more and more money into it to try and get it fixed. And it was quite scary for a while where I was thinking to myself, is this actually going to be something I can achieve? Is this something I can complete? And like I said, I'm very fortunate in the fact that I have lots of friends and family who are very supportive. And every time I was kind of getting down, there would be someone there to kind of give me a kick and be like, don't give up. You've got like you've got so far with it. You can you can see it through. And it's it, and they're right. If you do persevere, you will find a way to make it work. And you keep like I said, talk, this is where talking to people it becomes so useful as well, because when I was stuck and I really didn't know how to progress, how to fix the audio troubles I was having, I would go online and I would just chat to people on, on Facebook in these um, sound production and sound mixer groups. And you just find complete strangers are so willing to kind of just have a 10, 15 minute chat with you and just try and walk you through some things or introduce you to contacts who might be able to fix your problems. And it really kind of it does make you realize that if you do just stick at it and work hard, you can achieve your goal. So you've just got to keep persevering and there will be you will find a way, even if you can't see it at the time, you'll just constantly keep learning and learning until eventually you work out. Oh, OK, so this is how I'm going to do it. And then you just and everyone does it in their own time. I think that's something that's very important to remember as well, just because someone else might have made a film in a few months and yours took a couple of years. It doesn't matter as long as you're still working towards that goal, that's the important thing. How did you find that initial network in the first place? Because, I mean, completely from my perspective, and I might be um, attributing it as wrong, is that particularly around the time I was at university and we're sort of, I'm trying to think, am I, was I a year above you or were we, were we in the same year? Uh, I think we were in the same year. Yeah, we, we had graduation year. at the same time, yeah. Yes, we did, yeah, yeah. Um, but like you said earlier, something there's something about film that seems to be far off, unreachable, quite a... Um, a bit of a fantasy potentially for for people like myself who wasn't involved in that that sort of circle of people so when you first were at uni and you were committing yourself to this is what i want to start looking into doing how did you build that initial network because like you say the networks and the the communities you surround yourself are incredibly important to keeping you going and and feeding those ideas and keeping you inspired um but i can imagine that in the in, in the beginning it wasn't always that way no and i think it, sometimes you find answers where you don't expect to one I, when I decided that was what I wanted to do, that when people were talking about careers and because at the end of uni, everyone's kind of starting to make their plans about what they're going to go on to do um, and everything. I was just talking to random people and they were like, oh, what's your plan? I was like, I'm not really sure, but I know I want to do this. And I just keep saying that I wanted to work in film and I wanted to write. and I wanted to direct and get behind the camera. 
And again, it was through um, a friend's um, sister. They'd obviously heard me saying this, and that was what made them think of me when they were on a film shoot and they needed extra production assistance. So I got the call then. So I think if it was something I was passionate about, and because I talked about it a lot with just lots of different people, people again, people will take notice. So you might, I did, when I was talking to them, I probably wasn't thinking at the time, oh, this might get me a job or this might be helpful in the future. I was just kind of talking about it. And that really opened the door to this whole kind of world where I met so many people on that set that have called me up later on going, oh, hi, we're working on this. Can you come and help for a few days? And then you meet more people when you go on to the next set. And then the networking just kind of snowballs from there. And that's why I was saying it's really important, I think, that if you if someone does give you that opportunity, even if it's not a paid job at first, to when you get there, just make sure you're on time. I normally get set always about half an hour early just in case that someone needs help setting up. And I always try to be one of the last ones to leave. And just in case like one department is stuck trying to clear something up or anything, if you can help out, people will really take notice of that. And it goes a long way. And that's the kind of thing that uh, I really think is important and people will notice you for and want to work with you again. Have you got any other tips for showing your hard work on set? So obviously, like you say, you're you're there early, you you stay longer than necessary, you kind of get stuck in. Have you got any other specific tips that might help people who are potentially working their way onto their first set and they're looking to make a good impression? Um, I would say be observant of the crew and other people around you because if you if you've got a bit of time, because sometimes more um, one department will be a lot busier than another. If you're not doing too much in your department, don't just think, oh, I've got a break. You go, go up and help if the camera team need help doing something setting something up if they're looking a bit stressed you maybe just ask oh is there something i could do to help same with the lighting team i found more often than not lighting teams especially on lower productions normally need quite a bit of help because it's a it's a hard job so even if it's just moving some equipment around and then it, it doesn't feel like you're doing much but you really are helping them and really speeding up the process so just kind of be observant and see what's going on around you and if there is a department you can help i would say just kind of quickly ask someone um, there if they need a hand if they say no then kind of drop it but if they do need a hand just really get stuck in and make sure that they're kind of ready to go and then every department if you can eventually kind of work your way around the departments you will people will realize you're quite dependable and that you're willing to help and it, it does it like i said it really does go a long way and they're the kind of people i think that get remembered i think that's such a good life lesson in general no matter what you're doing to to try and always help that extra little bit and think of it a lot like you're not trying to help yourself but you are trying to help other people because that is how you leave that everlasting impression yeah and i mean at the end of the day you are a team especially if you're on a set where you have to live with everyone you almost become like a family so you really you do want to be there for them and you also if they succeed you succeed because if at the end of the day like if you're helping the lighting team and get helping get that lighting just perfect for the shot like that's going to make you look good and you can also, you might be surprised, there might be a field you hadn't really thought about working in, but if you help out the team you and you suddenly take a bit of an interest, you've just co- you've made a contact with someone who can help you get into that field. So it, yeah, and I mean, I've made some really good friends and I've ended up, I get dragged into the lighting department quite often just to help out as an assistant. And it's not something I ever saw myself doing or plan to do, but it's it's really interesting. I've learned so much just from kind of offering to help and then kind of getting stuck in with it. There have been about three or four films now where I've ended up going from production assistant to lighting assistant for the entire shoot just because they needed the extra hands just to move stuff around. And um, I've learned so much from about the lighting aspect of films from that alone. You're going to have to teach me at some point. I uh, <laughs> I had to play with lighting for one of my previous jobs doing photo shoots and it is fucking hard. Yeah, it's definitely not... It, it, you've got it's to, you, there's so much difficult. respect for those people 
And I think it's so when when you look at the idea of of just how of, of how people like shots and you just think, oh yeah, it's, it's a shot that's lit. There's so much work to prevent shadows to make sure it's consistent. It's it's a whole science that I I don't think I'll ever understand. But you'll have to uh, give me some tips at some point. <laughs> I will do my best. It's but it's one of those skills. It's like sound. If you notice, if the audience notices it you failed so in a way if you go through a whole film not really paying attention to the lighting that means it's doing it they're doing their job right because mm. that's what you want you don't want people to be like oh the lighting's amazing you want it to feel so natural that they don't even notice and so it just it, it just matches if that makes sense so it's one of those fields where it, i feel like it is a bit underrated because if they've done their job properly you should it, it's meant to keep you in the moment not take you out of it the silent assassins yes yeah <laughs> talk us through a day on set so obviously there's not going to be uh, with film there's never going to be a typical day on set but but talk us through sort of a 24-hour period on the set of, of of the project you've been on okay so normally i'll probably go for like an independent like a british independent film i feel that's probably the best way you kind of um so i like i said i always try to get there a bit early just in case and um it'll first of all when you get there there's normally breakfast on set which is always really nice so you get there, have a bit of food and then start setting up. So you get the camera equipment ready, get the lighting equipment ready, make sure the actors are all in place. But that's not necessarily your job. You're just kind of if you're a production assistant, you will just be kind of bouncing around, helping out where you can. Um, so you normally have a bit of time in the morning for a, to set up and get ready for the first shot of the day. And then the first AD will obviously have a plan on them, a whole schedule of what you're doing for the day. And you'll just, yeah, spend the morning going through shot from shot. So you normally, as soon as you've finished one shot, you have to allow for a bit of time for everyone to get in position for the next shot, get all the camera equipment set back up, all the lighting equipment set up. And then normally get to lunch between anywhere between 12 and like two o'clock. Um, and then sometimes if you're really busy on set, they might do something called a rolling lunch, which is basically where you're still working, but kind of eating on the go um luckily that doesn't happen too often because that can be a bit of a pain <laughs> um and then yeah just kind of it's, it's more of the same in the afternoon really just kind of moving from shot to shot throughout the afternoon until you get to near the end of the day and then wrap for the day and uh, make sure everyone when you're kind of when you're done at the end of the day it's always handy just to stick around and help all the um every team make sure they've got everything packed away properly and correctly and then and once everything's looking like it's wound down you can just get in the car and head home were you always this helpful? Uh, probably not, no. If my mum's listening to this, <laughs> it's probably not going to come across very well. <laughs> she wonder where I was all this time when I was a kid, leaving the house a mess and everything. So what is, it, is it specifically film that has now put you into sort of state of mind, or is this something that you've now adopted more widely in life? Um, I would say so, yeah. I think working on films, like I think it's because it's something I, I really enjoy and I'm very passionate about, and I, re I can't explain it, but when I'm on a film set, it just... It puts me in such a better frame of mind to tackle anything. I'll be a lot more productive and just in a much better place. But I think it, it makes you realize as well that everybody else has something to do. And if you can do a little bit to help someone uh, throughout the day, then why not really? Like if, you, if it's not going to affect your day by going, just spending an extra few minutes helping someone else, then yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. Now, one thing that particularly this is a right the great writers share podcast and we haven't really spoken that much about writing so i did want to dive a little bit into some of the stuff that you've you've written because you have been working on films you've been writing um scripts for yourself you've like you mentioned earlier you've got a a film blood on the road which is um which you're currently doing some stuff with uh, if i just a side note if i suddenly yelp out and surprise it's because there's a 
daddy long legs in this room that suddenly (laughs) decided to attack me but i'll be professional and i'll move past it and hope it doesn't land in my drink um (laughs) so i mean blood on the road obviously we've written some stuff together um when did you sort of decide to get into the writing side of things um and yeah just start with that point when did you decide to get more into the writing side of things as opposed to some of the production stuff so I was. It would have been about oh, uh, about a year or two into freelancing. I worked on a film called a short film called The Alpha Invention, um, which was the one with Billy Boyd, um, and it was directed by a guy called um, Mark Towers. He's a really nice guy, and I was fortunate enough to. He needed a lift somewhere on one of the one of the days. I can't, we had to go into town to get something, and he like I said, he was a really nice guy. And he's got chatting to me and asking what I wanted to do, and he's very interested in kind of my future. And when I said to him, I was like, oh, I'd love to write and direct. I just, I don't really know where to begin. And um, he was just like, well, you've got to do it yourself. He was like, no one's going to put that job in front of you. If you want to be a writer and you want to direct, you're going to really have to just get out there on your own and make it happen. It's not a job where you kind of just apply for and you get it. No, you have to really make it from scratch. Think of an idea and just kind of hammer it down on paper and keep going at it until you've got a script you're happy with and then go and find a producer and he was yeah like very honest about the whole thing and it was really nice to hear someone else kind of saying that because it was basically just saying yeah if you want this go and get it don't wait for someone to give it to you because that's not going to happen you have to go and do it yourself and that was when after so i got off that film set it was only a small shoot it was about three or four day shoot and um i contacted a good friend of mine who he's been writing scripts for ever since he was a kid. It was something he always loved doing. So as a hobby, he was just writing stories and scripts. And I basically said to him, I want to make a short film. I've never written a script before. Can you help me? Do you want to co-write one? I have an idea. And he, he was really up for it. So I went, what we do is we meet up once a week and we'd get this story down. It was a drama, um, uh, about basically a police crisis negotiator talking someone down off of a bridge and we meet up once a week and just kind of go over the story over and over and then uh someone else i knew was interested in producing so i contacted them and was like hi i'm writing a short film would it be something you'd be interested in uh producing for us and they were really interested as well so we would meet with them and go over the script again if there was anything they weren't too keen on or any tweaks they wanted made we'd all kind of have a big discussion and start working on getting a script that we were all happy with and then we went to another producer not to work on it but just for advice and they were giving us advice on what kind of budget we were looking at and basically how we'd want to maybe change some things and roughly how much time we need to film this and what roughly the size of a crew, um, cost of insurance, location, everything like that, which is really helpful. And then we started to lock down actors and um, pre-production went very smoothly. And then when we got to the shoot itself, again, that went very smoothly. I couldn't have asked for a better crew um they everyone was just so on the ball really passionate about what they were doing and the actors were fantastic they knew their lines they delivered great performances and then sadly it was in post-production where we experienced issues but before (laughs) that it literally i i I felt like i was on top of the world because everything was just going so smoothly and everyone was just so willing to get stuck in and really kind of give it give it their all put 110 percent in and now I have got a product that I'm really happy with. Like I said, there were a few moments in post-production where it was a bit touch and go, but like everyone just, and so many people wanting to help the actors were wanting to come back to re-record lines. Um, and yeah, so it all kind of started from that one job where I, uh, where I met Mark and he was just, he really helped push me into just kind of getting off, getting off this routine I was in of doing production assistant work and just get stuck in doing what I really wanted to do. 
one thing I always love about hearing people's stories is there always seems to be a figure that acts as some kind of unwilling mentor, even if, well, it's kind of defining the unwilling, but even if they never sort of see themselves in that position. I mean, would you class Mark as a mentor of sorts to to yourself in your writing? He's definitely an inspiration. Yeah, I don't, if if he if I hadn't had a chance to have a conversation with him and see him at work, I don't know if I would have made a film so quickly. I know it's something I eventually would have got around to doing, but I think I really needed someone to tell me that that I have to do it. Like it's something you've really got to go out there and do on your own instead of just because I think I was really enjoying being a production assistant and I hadn't thought too much about how to progress and get further into the industry. And I think it was really good to have someone there who was kind of like, what do you want to do? Okay, if that's what you want to do, then you just got to go out there and make it happen because it's not going to come to you. You've got to go to it. And it was a bit of a wake up call. And he was like, he was very positive and encouraging. And um, yeah, I definitely say that um, he helped speed that process up. You've never seemed to shy away from taking advice from putting your ego to the side or I mean you said it yourself you you started writing and you went straight into a collaboration with with another writer you you found producers you you straight away snowballed into this world of bringing other people into your ideas and kind of working together um how how have you found collaboration in general was that somewhere that you always thought you'd go from the start or is that or did at any point did you see yourself sort of writing solo and then have to convert into collaboration um to be honest it's it's not something I gave a lot of thought to, but I would honestly, from everything I've done now, I think collaboration is key to success because if you're ever unsure of anything, if you're working with someone else, they might have the answers or you, it's someone you can confide in and work them out together. And I always believe that someone, if you're working on an idea, it's always better to have two heads working on it than one. So, and if there's someone else who had, for example, when I went to my friend, who Kieran, who um, uh, helped me write Blood on the Road, I knew for a fact that if I tried to sit there and write a script on my own, it wasn't going to happen. It, w- it would just be awful. Whereas I knew he knew exactly what he was talking about and he was willing to, he was very keen and he was very willing to listen to what I had to say as well. So we both kind of went in there with the same attitude of we can help each other out. Even though he taught me how to write a script completely, he um, he would help me with my ideas and I could we could work together and kind of tweak the ideas in something we were both really proud of. And it's even on my next film that I've uh, just finished uh, filming, Whiskey Tears, um, I co-wrote that with the lead actor, one of the lead actors. And um, again, we both just sat there. He had the idea and he came to me basically asking for the same kind of advice. Of, Could you help me write a script? And both of us just sat down together and we just talked through everything. And I think if you've got someone there to bounce ideas off of, you can get a much stronger story. Because if there's something you write down you might not realize that it doesn't quite work or that it's something missing. Whereas if you've got someone else there to sit there with you goes, ah, that doesn't quite work, but maybe if we do this and then you can also be like, Oh, that's great. And then we can add this and then you can add that. And it just like really expands into a much stronger product. This really is going to turn to the collaboration podcast because every, every guest that I've spoken to so far has in some way used collaboration to leverage what they do. And I think it is, I mean, absolutely everything you just said. And I think it's a powerful thing to, to leverage someone else's creativity and not only for the better for the story, but also to remove the obstacles that that might be fairly unseen. And I mean, I could say from personal experience, obviously we've worked together on a couple of stories for the other stories and you're very, very easy to work with, which is one of the things I like. You, you, you put your ego aside and you, you kind of give and take fair criticism and it's just, it's quite a seamless process. I mean, have you always been easy to work with or is it something that again you've sort of learned over time 
Oh, well, that's very kind of you to say. Thank you. Um, I don't know. I hope I've been easy to work with. Um, I try not to, like you said, I don't, I don't think letting ego get in the way is going to benefit anybody. Um, it's one of those things that's always confused me is if someone has a good idea, I don't know why you'd, what, why you'd turn away from it. If someone's trying to help, if they're coming up to you with an idea, they're obviously trying to help. They're, even if their idea isn't necessarily good or what you're wanting to hear, it could be the best thing ever to happen to your script or to your story. So I I don't know why people would want to shy away from that. It's all, I, to me, it's always welcome to hear someone's opinion because they might say something that makes your product 10 times better. And for example, like working with you on the other stories, that's been really fascinating to me because it's a different writing format completely. And I feel like I learned so much from doing that that I can also translate parts of that into script writing. So it's, I feel like every time I collaborate with someone, you can take away something new from it every time. And that's really important. It makes I feel like it makes me a better writer. It helps when it comes to directing as well. I feel like it will make me a better director and a better filmmaker in general. What are the key things you've taken away from uh, in regards to the differences between writing for screen and writing short stories? So writing short stories, I think the thing you have to remember is um, you have to be a bit more descriptive. With a script, you can be very descriptive. But at the end of the day, if you're writing and directing your own script, you don't have to worry too much about the description because you can see it in your head. So on the like when actors need to know what to wear, you can just tell people, right, I want the actors in this costume. This is what I want the location to look like. Whereas when you're writing for something like the other stories, you don't have that luxury. So you have to find a way, a captivating way of writing in the description of the background of the scene, setting the scene. What does the character look like? What's the character wearing? Um, whereas in a script, you, you do include that stuff, but it's not the most important part. Um, whereas you with the um with something like the other stories i find you have to really find a creative way of giving someone a very clear visual image in their mind of what they're listening to because with a film you've already done that for them by putting it on the screen but with the other stories that, that obviously because it's all audio based you really have to find a way to make them see a very clear image in their head of what you're trying to get across and have you used any other tools or resources to help learn the writing process apart from i know you said earlier that kieran sort of helped you get into the, the the frame of writing scripts have you used any other tools or resources to kind of expand your knowledge and 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 grow so i um whenever i go to funny ones to go to is uh, a comic-con there's someone there who sells film scripts and every time i go i always make a point of buying two or three different film scripts from big <laughs> or either tv shows or films and what i'll do is when i get home i'll read them and study the different writing styles because one thing I'm noticing is every script is so different, even in terms of layout. There's no, it doesn't appear to be a very strict format. So it's just really fascinating to read through these scripts and see how different writers try to get across what they're trying to do. Um, I'd also recommend going on weekend, even if it's just for two or three days, going on weekend courses for writing and directing is very useful. You get to meet other people who are at the same level as you. And you can, again, it's more people to collaborate with. It's networking. And then people, the lecturers taking the class have normally more often than not got a lot of experience in that field and they will really be able to help you if you've got um, something you want to show them like a script or a film they will give you very constructive feedback and it's always just yeah things like that they can it can be a bit daunting sometimes but it's definitely worth it i went to one a while ago and i took blood on the road with me before the audio had been fixed and the someone who went up before me their film it, i felt quite sorry for them because their film was a really clever idea but where it was their first attempt it was a bit jumbled and it didn't quite the edit didn't flow quite very smoothly and then the the guy taking it was like who's next and i was like oh god it's me he's gonna absolutely destroy <laughs> my film 
and I was trying to avoid showing it. And he was like, just, he's like, honestly, just put it on. We're all in the same boat. There's nothing to worry about. So I put it on. I was, I was sitting there the whole time, kind of hiding, tucking under my seat. <laughs> and um, he was really complimentary, actually, in the end. And he, he gave a lot of useful feedback, um, very informative and was kind of telling me, like, some things I didn't even realize I had done. He was very complimentary of saying, oh, for a drama, this works really well. Because, for example, my opening shot was just one long shot. And he was saying that works really well for a drama. So you made a really good choice doing that. And that wasn't necessarily going through my mind when I filmed it. It was just something that felt right at the time. So again, like it's just learning all these small things and hearing other people talking about it. It's also a really nice confidence boost when you take it somewhere and a stranger goes, oh yeah, that's great. When you've done this, that works really well. And I think it really helps you kind of ease into it. Absolutely. What's what's next for you? I mean, at the minute you're you're working on a couple of different projects. Where Where is John Freeman heading? uh i'm still unsure that's the, i'm in the long term long uh in the long run still aiming for that director writer full-time position um but i'm trying to kind of keep myself as busy as i can and what i'm doing now is more of my own projects so i've got two films uh two i've got blonde the road going into film festivals and whiskey tears is in post-production at the moment uh, i'm just trying to keep myself writing so i'm helping uh like written a couple of stories for the other stories and I'm actually working on a small indie game at the moment with some friends and I'm, they're letting me to kind of take the creative side. So I'm helping write all the characters and the story. Um, and it's a very, again, it's a very different style of writing, but it's still keeping me in that loop of building worlds and making these stories. So I'm just trying to basically keep working as much as I can in that, in the kind of on the creative side, which I really love doing. And if something sticks soon, great. If not, I'll just keep making stuff until, I eventually get there. That's the plan. <laughs> I love it. I've got one more question from myself before we jump into questions from patrons, which is normally a bit of a stumper for people, but we'll see how you do with it, which is why do you write? I, I think, to be honest, I, I just, I love making, when I, I don't know about you, but like when I was a kid at school, it's probably isn't going to reflect well on me. <laughs> and explains a lot. Um, I used to just sit in class and, and if I wasn't working, I was just daydreaming, imagining different stories in my head, making up characters and making up all these different, really random, absurd plots. And um, I think that just translated. I just really used to immerse myself in these daydreams and these worlds I was building. And I think as I got older, that kind of translated from my mind onto paper and then from paper to film. Fantastic. Yeah, I mean, that, that that's beautiful. Um, all right, into patron questions, Patreon questions. So um, just for people who might be new to the show, uh, we've got a group of people over at patreon.com forward slash great writers share. And as part of uh, supporting the show, they can submit questions to our guests. And this week we've got Harley Christensen, who's gone mental with uh, a few different questions to throw your way. So the first one is, what is your top productivity tip or the go-to habit that keeps you on track? um i oh that's a tough one i think it's not it is natural to lose uh, motivation sometimes and especially if you're doing something over a long period of time um i think pre that's where you sometimes it is quite good to have that pressure for me i feel if i'm not doing my work that um and i could be i think it's important to find a good balance between relaxing and working so you don't want to be working 24 7 but you need to make sure you're still keeping it up uh so for me normally uh, oh, that's a really tough question. Um, I think that I'll get to a point where if I feel like I'm relaxing a bit too much, I'm quite good at giving myself that mental like kick to get back to it. So normally it's, it's kind of a feeling of if I want, I kind of get that thought in my head of if I want to make it, if I want to get somewhere, 
then I better get started. I can't keep sitting around. I've got to get on it and get writing the script or make that call, make that email. Like if that's the only way I'm going to succeed. So why not do it? And speaking on both our behalf, I know that when we work together, we we both work well with arbitrary deadlines. <laughs> so that there might not necessarily be a date that something is due, but we'll both kind of go this Friday. Yeah, this Friday, we'll do it for then. And then that kind of kicks us both up the arse and, and makes it happen. Yes. Yeah. And I think sometimes you have to accept the fact that there might be something that delays it that's out of your control. And that doesn't mean that there's necessarily anything bad. Sometimes life does just get in the way. I think that's another very good motivator is telling someone a deadline in your head. So if you go to like a family member or a friend, oh, yeah, I'm going to have that script done by um, the beginning of the month. And it gets to the beginning of the month and you're and they're kind of chasing you off. bit, like, oh, how's your script going? And then you're in your head. You're like, oh, crap. I've done like. five pages i really should get on with that it, i find that's a good motivator because it's almost like you see someone believing in you and they're excited to see what you're doing and if you're not doing it then you're kind of letting them down as well but that, that could just be me <laughs> no no I'm, i'm exactly the same definitely all about uh, accountability uh harley also asks what is your favorite place to write oh that is a very good question i think it depends on what i'm writing if i'm writing something that's like a drama and it's maybe fairly kind of emotional tough piece right i quite like being probably on my own in my room and just sitting at my desk typing away but if i'm trying to do something more upbeat and refreshing i quite like being outside okay that's especially fair. on like a nice sunny day if you're writing something more positive and upbeat i feel like the setting you sit yourself into right is very vital to kind of get the mood right as you're trying to make that story happen additional question from me then how because <laughs> this is a problem that i have because I love the idea of writing outside and I've done it a few times. How do you deal with screen glare from the sun? Um, if I'm running outside normally, it'll actually be with pen and pad. And then I'll type oh. that up onto my computer when I get back in. How romantic. I know, right? Classic. <laughs> Going old school. <laughs> uh, question three from Harley. How do you reward yourself when you've completed a project? Now, I know that I am absolutely shit at this. So I'm again interested in your answer. Um, th- that is something I'm probably the same as you. I struggle to because I, I almost feel like it's not finished so when you it's kind of almost like the next step you get a kind of sigh of relief of okay i've written a script now i need to go over it with the producer to get a produ- um, production date in mind and then after you've filmed it it's like okay now i've got to meet up with the editor and get the editor on board and get work cracking on that and it feels like there's always something that can be added but i think it's more of a like from a mental perspective it, you can kind of give yourself a pat on the back each time you've hit one of those markers even though it's not technically finished you're you can just say to yourself yeah i'm pushing forward with this and i'm making progress and i'm i'm getting it done mm-hmm. and i find that's normally quite a good motivation like motivational reward in itself yeah it is very hard i mean speaking person from my own personal experience i i generally can't remember the last time i actually celebrated completing something or finishing something because there's always that pressure to move on to the next thing and just to keep going and I think I don't know if you find that this is the same, but with writing being quite a solo venture, there's not really anyone around you to instantly share in that success. So when I was in my office job, you know, you'd you'd wrap up an event or you were doing something and everyone would sort of come together, the, you know, raise a glass, not get drunk because you're at work. Um, but there'd be sort of <laughs> there'd be a collective end. Whereas when you're by yourself, it's very much a case of I'll finish and just go, okay, next, um, which might not be the healthiest thing to do. No, I think I, I do think it's important to give yourself that acknowledgement of i have done like it's a big deal because there are a lot of people that will start a project and there, there will always be something that stops them from finishing so if you are able to see something through from beginning to end like you do need to be aware of that 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 is a that's an impressive feat and that is a big deal because not everyone can do that 
So if you are able to, and like you said, I know it's sometimes it's hard when there's not other people around to kind of include in that celebration. I think you you need to find a way to treat yourself, whether it's um, kind of going out to your face, like just even if it's just meeting up with some friends for the night, like you can just even, and even if it is just a catch up, you can kind of see it as a little reward to yourself. That, yeah, I like, I deserve this. I've, I've worked hard or like just doing something that makes you happy. I guess making time for things that make you happy as a reward, mm. I think is a good way of doing it. I know the answer to this, but I think it's worth worth sharing from your perspective. What did you do when you finished Blood on the Road? So it, this is the thing. Blood on the Road technically isn't finished. But when we so it gets in <laughs> stages, when we finished filming, um, the, uh, we all went to the pub for a drink to celebrate. Um, and then obviously after post-production, when we uh, completed uh, post, we did a cast and crew screening to celebrate. And um, that, that was really nice, just getting uh, the cast and crew back together and a few extra... Uh, people who had helped out along the way and giving them like a nice private screening and having a like a couple of drinks afterwards to celebrate a bit of food everything so that was that was very rewarding and you th- when you're in that moment you can really it really gives you a chance just to live in the moment and enjoy it and realize what you've accomplished no it was a i mean I'll, I'll say i was there at that event and it was it was really really good it was it was so so good and I realise that I have a naturally sarcastic voice, so I don't mean that to come out <laughs> sarcastic, but like, I mean, I drove four and a half hours down to see it and, and, and hang out. And I think it was just really, I think it's rewarding for me to see something that you've produced, put together in a cinema with, with all these people and just kind of see the end product and see it all put together as it's meant to be seen. And yeah, I was, uh, I was proud of you, man. That was, that was really, really cool. Oh, thank you. Yeah, no, it was, that was a, yeah. And that, that's one of the things that makes it all worth it. Is like I said, there were a few moments where I wasn't sure if it was going to be finished. But then, like you said, when you get up on the big screen like that and everything, and you realise like it was all worth it the whole time. Every, every time you got stuck, uh, an obstacle, once you find a way through, and yeah, you get to that moment where you can put it up on the big screen and you can just show people this is what I've done. Um, I think that's really, yeah, a really kind of self-rewarding moment in itself that really motivates you as well to get on with the next project. Absolutely. Um, we'll jump into the quick fire round now. So we have 10 questions for you, which you have to try and answer as fast as you can. <laughs> Otherwise, I delete half the interview. Oh, pressure's on. <laughs> right. Are you ready for this? I think so. Fantastic. Okay. Who's your favourite Power Ranger? Uh, the green one from the original. <laughs> Tommy. Who's... Wow, you even know their name. Fantastic. Uh, who's the favourite actor you've worked with? Oh, probably Billy Boyd. What do you do to celebrate your... Oh, damn it. <laughs> double, <laughs> double, double question. question. What do you do to celebrate your wins? <laughs> um, same as before. <laughs> That's fine. Uh, preferred meal of choice in a restaurant? Oh, probably steak. What's your favourite Pokemon game? Oh, that's a tough one. You put that in on purpose, didn't you? Yep. Um, Pokemon Soul Silver. What's your star sign? Taurus. When you get lightheaded, who do you blame? Um, life. How many Maltesers can you fit in your mouth? I'm going to go with 11. If you could spend 10 days in one destination with unlimited cash, where would it be? Vegas. Think of the possibilities. Wow. What's your preferred toast topping? Jam. Fantastic. That's 10 questions. Nailed it. First try. That was beautiful. I did not realise I doubled up a question. I'm sorry, listeners. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you get for transferring over the questions from Patreon before you make the quick fire out. <laughs> little insight behind the scenes. Um, but before we sign off for this show, I just want to ask, where can our listeners find out more about yourself and your work? 
Um, at the moment, there's not too much online, but after Blood on the Road's been uh, through the film festival circuit, it will be up on Vimeo. I'm planning to make that free to watch for everybody. Uh, and that will be the same for Whiskey Tears. However, Whiskey Tears will be another year or so from there. And uh, the other stories, uh, we've got In a Flash and One Last Drink. Those are the two stories we've done so far. Mm-hmm. So they can start on your podcast. And at the moment, that is currently it. But I'm hoping over the next couple of years, there's going to be more and more stuff coming out, probably on Vimeo. And hopefully, touch wood, get some stuff out on DVD. Perfect. That'll be exciting. Yeah, I can't wait. See what the future holds. It's all going to be. Yeah, that's the thing. You just got to keep looking up and keep looking forward. Perfect. Well, thank you very much for your time, John. I do appreciate it. It's great having you on the show at last. No, thank you. Yeah, no, it's been great. Thank you for having me. That's cool. And thank you, everyone, for listening. And we will see you next week. See you later. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Great Writer Share podcast. Next week, we'll be joined by a lit RPG king and Mountaindale Press CEO, Dakota Kraut, discussing his transition from author to publisher and how he's dominating the lit RPG charts. Don't forget you can get early access to every episode of the Great Writer Share podcast and the chance to ask upcoming guests any of your questions just by becoming a patron of the show. All you need to do is visit www.patreon.com forward slash greatwriterssshare and support the show for as little as $1 a month. One more time, that's www.patreon.com forward slash greatwriterssshare. Until next time. ACAST powers some of the world's best podcasts. Here's a show we recommend. Hi, I'm Jackie Johnson, the Beauty Talk Shock Jock, and I host Natch Butte, a podcast that explores the self-care space while laughing, yelling, singing, and keeping things cruelty-free. Oh, yeah. I gab with celebs, makeup artists, female indie brand owners, and fellow funny folks about what beauty and self-care mean to them, as well as what's in their bags. Looking good while doing good, we are voting with our wallets, we are buying cruelty-free products, and we are having a goddamn blast laughing with our pals while we do it. That's Natch Butte. This is the Natch Butte Pod! Welcome, baby. Listen to Natch Butte on Acast or wherever you get your podcasts. Acast, 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 Acast recommends. recommends.